Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds to understand how all the Scriptures point to you. Open our hearts that we might receive your grace. Open our eyes that we might recognize your truth. In the glory of the Father we pray, Jesus, in your name. Please be seated. Today we begin a journey, an adventure through the story of God. An exploration of who God is, who God created us to be, and how we can live in grateful response. A pilgrimage of the heart, the mind, and the soul that begins, continues, and never ends in Jesus. Our journey begins this morning with how everything came to be and who created it all. The story begins like this. In the beginning, God. Before anything else existed, there was an amazing being called God. God is the author of life and created all things to glorify himself. In the beginning was God. He created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, that's all right, we're the big time we can, we can speak out. We can speak out. In fact, feel free. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. I, I even paid a couple people 50 cents to shout out some amens at some point during the message today. God took the earth he created and he shaped it to reflect his glory. God the Father thought out a clear and beautiful plan. His word brought that plan into existence and into creation. The Spirit reformed and life, the very life of God himself. There was God the Father, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God, three in one. In the beginning, a triune community, an interdependent team, all working together as one, serving for the sake of the other. the glory of this amazing now in God's mind and in God's heart, God wanted to create another being. Another being made in his very own image and likeness. But that's two weeks away. First, God prepared a wonderful place where this new being would live. So God made light and he called the light day. And he called the darkness night. Then God made sky. And he moved the waters back so that the land appeared and he called the waters seas. God grew plants and flowers and, and trees so that there would be um, able to have this amazing creation fill the earth and all of them would see so that they could reproduce themselves. 
He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. There would be days and different seasons. He filled the seas with fish and the sky with birds and the earth with all kinds of wild animals. And God put great care and creativity into his creation. You know what? He liked it. He was happy with it. It delighted him. In fact, after creating all these things, God looked at his handiwork. Do you remember what he said? Wow! This is good. This is the story we call creation. And the creation narrative is important because it shows us who God is and tells us why it is that God created. Let me ask you this. What have you created just to enjoy creating? Any chefs out there? Any bakers out there? Any, yeah, I know, careful. Any, any, anybody who likes to work with wood? How about paint? How about clay? How about steel? Yeah. Have you ever just created something for the joy of creating? God created for his own sake. God created because he enjoyed creating. He didn't have to create. He simply wanted to create. It was his idea, and it brought him an amazing sense of delight. And ultimately, God creates for himself. And that means that God is the center of the universe, not the universe. God created to express his sovereignty. I love Psalm 24, 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything you see belongs to God, including the people on your left and right. Everything belongs to God. God is a gracious owner, but he is the owner. He's a loving owner, but he is the owner. God is supreme over all things and creates all things to express his supremacy. God creates for his own sake. God creates to express his sovereignty. And God creates to reveal his character. This is what we see in the creation story. That he, he wants us to know him. He wants us to understand him so that we can respond to him and especially enjoy. It's kind of like art. Been a while for anybody? <laughs> but you remember art class? Right? If we turn this time here together into art class, what medium would you use? What, what, would you, what would you create? How would it reflect your character? If we did that for the next 30 minutes, what we'd be able to see is one another's character and the way that each one of us created artwork. And that's true for the master artist as well. We can see his character by observing his Romans 1.20 says it this way. Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Though through everything God made, 
they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so that we have no excuse for not knowing God. For example, I see God's wisdom in the way the earth rotates perfectly around us. I see God's majesty in the mountain peaks. I see God's patience in the detail of a leaf. I invite you to close your eyes and listen to a reading from the Chronicles of Narnia series. It's how C.S. Lewis describes the creation story. This is Diggory's perspective as he watches Aslan the lion see creation into existence. Close your eyes and invite the Holy Spirit to capture your imagination. In the darkness, something was happening at last. A voice had begun to sing. It was very far away, and Diggory found it hard to decide from what direction it was coming. There were no words. There was hardly even a tune. But it was, beyond comparison, the most beautiful noise he had ever heard. Then two wonders happened at the same moment. One was that the voice was suddenly joined by other voices, more voices than you could possibly count. They were in harmony with it, but far higher up on the scale, cold, tingling, silvery voices. The second wonder was that the blackness overhead all at once was blazing with stars. They didn't come out gently one by one as they do on a summer evening. One moment there had been nothing but darkness, and the next moment, a thousand, thousand points of light leaped out, single stars, constellations, and planets, brighter and bigger than any in our world. The voices in the sky began to grow fainter, and now something else was happening. Far away and down near the horizon, the sky began to turn gray. A light wind, very fresh, began to stir. The sky in that one place grew slowly and steadily paler. You could see shapes of hills standing up dark against it. And all the time the voice went on singing. The light wind could now be heard ruffling the grass. And soon there were other things besides grass. The higher slopes grew dark with heather, and patches of rougher and more bristly green appeared in the valley. Diggory didn't quite know what they were until one began coming up quite close to him. It was a little spiky thing that threw out dozens of arms and covered these arms with green and grew larger at the rate of about an inch every two seconds. There were dozens of these things all around him now. When they were nearly as tall as himself, he saw what they were. Trees! he exclaimed. Out of the trees, wild people stepped forth and all the beasts and the birds in their different voices, low or high or thick or clear, replied, Hail Aslan! We hear and obey. We are awake. We love. We think. We speak. We know. Sometimes we're so intense on looking at creation through a microscope or a telescope that we fail to see what God is showing. 
what God is showing us about who He is and what He has taught for all to who He is. The creation narrative is important because it, it shows us who God is and tells us why God created, and it also gives us a glimpse at how God created. God created everything out of nothing. So out of nothing, God creates everything. In the beginning, nothing existed except for God. And then God creates everything out of nothing. It's, um, it's a little bit hard to get our head around. So if you haven't seen the cake yet, go ahead and look at the cake. It's a little bit hard to get our head around the fact that God creates everything out of nothing because that's not what it's like for you and I to do when, when, when we create, we rearrange and mix and put things together that already exist. Who put a bar on the Careful there, Sawyer. <laughs> but that's not, that's not how it works for God. God created everything out of nothing. God created in love. Everything God creates is an expression of his being. The Bible says that God is love, so everything God creates is created in love. Have, have you ever made something with love? That expression is deeper than you think. Whenever we make something in love, we are imaging our very creation. God created everything out of nothing. He created in love, and he created by his word. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God simply spoke, and creation happened. God said it, and it came to be. Imagine this with me for a moment. God said, land, and it happened. God said, water, and it happened. God said, sun, and it happened. God said, platypus, and it happened. I can imagine the Trinitarian team enjoying the high vaults of heaven in this moment of creation. The Father thinking the word, speaking the Holy Spirit, forming, duck, 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 wait for it, duck, duck, and eventually, goose. And it all, it all happened. It all happened. God created everything out of nothing in love and by his word. And to miss that essential truth is to miss an important aspect of who God is and what he tries to express for us to know and enjoy. Scientifically impossible? Of course it is. Of course it is. But God never intended the creation story to be a scientific account. So let's not try and make it one. Science is a good thing. Faith is a good thing. God invented science. So it's wise to be open to both. Not trying to replace one with the other. Again, take the cake. Not literally. Take, take the cake. A whole team of scientists to take this cake, they, 
Okay, they can look at it, they can analyze it, and they can experiment on it. And they can tell you what the ingredients of the cake uh, are. They can define its molecular structure. They can even discern its baking temperature, and I bet they can tell us how long we had to eat it before it got mold. But what scientists could not determine is who baked the cake and why. To know that, you need to find and listen to the baker. You need to meet my wife, Amanda, who tell you that she made the cake and how she made the cake and when she made the cake and how amazing the house smelled when she was doing it and that she made it for you to eat and enjoy because she loves you. Now, that cake's going to be available um, around barbecue this afternoon after worship. So we pray, but I bet uh, we can figure out a way to cut that out so that anybody who wants a piece can have a piece. It is good. Let me just say, testify to a minute. Y'all, that's chocolate inside. It's homemade icing and homemade chocolate on top. What that is, is a big, gigantic ding dong. Homemade, fresh, gigantic, no preservatives, scrumptious ding dong. Okay? So, so here's the question. What do you want to do? Do you want to taste and see that the Lord is good? Or do you want to miss out because you don't really know Amanda and you have no idea how she does it? God created everything out of nothing in love by his word and with order. Back to Genesis 1, 3 through 26. There's an order that's part of God's creation from the very beginning. First life, then sky, then water, then land, then the plants and animals. God created with order. There are seasons and days and years because God built order into chronology. Fish and animals and bugs are all organized according to their kind because God established order in biology. And God created everything good. We can look that up this week. Genesis 1, particularly verses 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25. It's all there. The point is this. God created all things good. He did not make any mistakes. God is holy and does everything that is good, right, and perfect. It was all good. And then you know what God did? God delighted in his work. Genesis 2, 2 through 3 says, By the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing, so he rested from all of his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it a holy day, because on that day, he rested from all the work he had done in creating the world. God didn't need to rest because he was tired. God doesn't get weary or sleepy. God rested on the seventh day to delight in himself in all of his work. And that means that the Sabbath isn't just a day to take off or to take a nap. Although taking a nap is one of the most holy things you can do. The Sabbath day is primarily a day to delight in God. To be amazed at the wonder of who he is 
and life itself. Because our identity isn't found in our work, it's found in trusting and resting in God's work in our lives. So, how does this story point to Jesus? Because on the day of his resurrection, Jesus found two disciples walking from Jerusalem to a little town called Emmaus. And Jesus came up alongside them, and they were confused about who Jesus is. They were frustrated about what had just happened, and they were trying to piece it all together. And Jesus comes alongside them, and he opens their minds and explains to them how all the scriptures point to him. All the law, all the prophets are about Jesus. And it says that their hearts burn within them and they recognized him after dinner when he broke the bread and celebrated him. How does this creation story point to Jesus? It comes out in our gospel this morning, doesn't it? Before the creation of the universe from eternity past, God existed in perfect community. God the Father with wisdom to design and the power to create all things, God the Holy Spirit, hovering to make the Father's plan a reality, and the Word of God. He was there with God from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought life to everyone. It's the same thing that the Apostle Paul expresses to the church in Colossae. Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Do you realize what that means? What that means is very important. What that means is this. It means Jesus is not equal to all the other spiritual options our culture encourages us to consume. Jesus is God. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Muhammad. He's greater than Buddha. He's greater than you and me. Jesus is God. Jesus reigns in the place of highest honor. His name is above all other names. That every knee should bow and every tongue declare that Jesus, Messiah and King, is Lord. All to the glory of the Father. Have you come to terms with what this means? It means this. All roads lead to Jesus. But not all roads lead to heaven. Let me say that again. All roads do lead to Jesus. But not all roads lead to heaven. Everyone will come 
to him. But not everyone will pass through. So, is Jesus a roadblock for me? Or is he a gift? Because what Jesus says is that everyone who acknowledges him publicly here on earth, he will also acknowledge before his Father in heaven. But everyone who denies him here on earth, he will also deny before his Father in heaven. Matthew 10, 32, 32. Jesus wants to be with you. He wants you to know that he is the truth, that he is the way, that he is the life, and that through him, you can experience the joy that you were created to experience to the end. And that's the invitation as we come to the table this morning. Today we begin a journey together, an adventure through the story of God, an exploration of who God is and who God created us to be and how to live in a grateful response. And so this morning as you come to the Lord's table, I want to invite you on this pilgrimage. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you're going to respond to that invitation in a new way, in a different way, in a deeper way. But I want to invite you on a pilgrimage to follow Jesus with grace. A pilgrimage of heart and mind and soul that begins and continues and never ends in him. Father, holy is your name. And everything you create is good, right, and perfect. How majestic is Holy Spirit, you are God. Come and convict and convert and consecrate us to the Father's loving plan and purposes in our lives. How majestic is your Jesus, as we come to you through the bread and the wine, we believe, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. Make yourself known to us in the breaking of the bread. Forgive our sins. Redeem our pain. Fill us with your life-giving presence. Set us free to know and love and serve you here now and for eternity. We ask Jesus for your soul and in your name.